generate is supporting my vision to improve the financial literacy of 100,000 Kiwis by sponsoring Keep the Change. Cheers, Generate. Head to generatekiwisaver.co.nz forward slash change to find out more. Getting in the KiwiSaver fund that suits you and your situation is key to making sure you're maximising your investment. Generate are an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of long-term performance and they can help you do exactly this. Their advisors can meet with you to talk about all your options when it comes to KiwiSaver to help you decide what's best for you. Too many people never get KiwiSaver advice, but not you. Go to generatekiwisaver.co.nz forward slash change to book a no-obligation chat with a Generate advisor. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited. And of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. Welcome and you are listening to another episode of the Keep the Change podcast. It's just me joining you today and it is a very special time of the year because it is the end of the 2023 financial year and the start of the 2024 financial year. For some context, I'm sure you've learnt by now, but the financial year in New Zealand for most businesses and most individuals runs from the 1st of April through to the 31st of March. Now that is when the tax year sort of closes off and for you individuals and myself, the idea of assessing our data. Did we pay the right amount of tax? Did we? Did we not? And one way that you can kind of check this if you want to is you can go into your My IR and you can have a look at your income summary for this year, this current financial year. And then you can check in the payee.net.nz calculator if you key in your level of income, what's the difference between what that calculator is saying, the tax that you need to pay, versus what the IRD is showing in the income summary as the tax that has been paid. Now, be mindful of the ACC piece there, but just have a look because you might actually get a heads up early. Oh, there's a bit of a difference there because for a lot of individuals now, the IRD will actually automatically calculate that and you will just get a bill or you'll get a refund and you'll be thinking, what? What did I do wrong? Well, you haven't done anything wrong. It's just that this uh, the calculations for your PAYE salary has been incorrect throughout the year. Now, if you have other sources of income, of course, you'll need to declare those as well. But that's not specifically what we're going to be talking about, but that is what often people are thinking about when it comes to the end of the financial year. Now, for businesses, it's a time to do a set of accounts. And so they get a profit and loss statement for 12 months, which shows their total income, less their total expenses, their profit, and then we distribute that profit to the shareholders or uh, people in sole trader businesses will pay tax on it. However that piece works, basically the tax has to be paid on that profit in some way, shape or form. Now, I'm always encouraging individuals like you and I to think about doing the exact same process and doing it every month because this is what a high-level business on the NZX for instance will be doing they'll be reporting to their shareholders or their directors or their board people that want to know hey what's the financial viability sustainability and performance of our business and that's what they'll be looking at the profit and loss monthly the balance sheet monthly and they'll be keeping an eye on all of that stuff now of course you didn't go to university to learn accounting because you thought that is the 
boringest fucking career, and it is most likely going to be replaced by a robot, as I've been told. So you were smarter than to do that. But that's a high chance why you don't know what these terms are. Profit and loss, balance sheet, equity, leverage, debt, all of this shit, current liability, long-term liability, all this stuff, you know, like, this just jargon sucks. But I'm here to break it down for you, and that's what we're always doing. So the balance sheet is your assets and your liabilities, and then that effectively works out your net worth or your equity or what it is that's left over that you own. So let's say someone's got a property and it's worth $500,000. They'll, they'll tell you, oh, my house is worth 500000 Oh, what's your debt? That's your liability, your debt, your mortgage. Oh, $450,000. Okay, so your $500,000 house is your asset. Your liability is four hundred and fifty. Therefore, your equity is $50,000. Now, what a lot of people forget in this sort of position is that if they were to sell that property, they'd probably have to pay someone to do it. So they don't factor that in when they calculate that, right? They're not like, oh, yeah, well, actually a broker, agent, real estate agent might charge me, let's say, 5%, so $25,000 of that to sell it. So really, their true equity is probably only $25,000 after they sold that. But anyway, that's just an example of how you can start to see how some of these things are working. Now, one thing that I teach through Keep the Change is that month end is a very important process. So you want to be going through and you want to be understanding what's happening with your assets. And the reason that we do this is to keep our mind on our money. That is also the reason that Money Mail comes out every Friday. So it's a weekly reminder to be thinking about your own finances and it's to designed to keep you close to it and sticky and thinking, you know what, have I taken any action? What's changed since last Friday? Shit, that week's gone quick. That one felt like it took ages. Oh, this lesson's boring. I knew this one already. Oh, shit, I don't feel like I read last week's one. We'll listen to it, etc., etc. But it's a reminder to think about money because money comes out of our pockets just about every single day. But for some reason, we teach people, oh, in January, let's set a resolution for the entire year. Oh, let's do that at the end of the financial year and do it once. That's not really how money works, is it? Because it's always moving around. So the weekly money mail and keep the change lesson was designed to get something valuable in front of people to get them thinking about money more often. But each month, you can go through and do what I call the month in process. So you're working out, okay, what money do I have coming in in this next month? And what money do I have going out? And then what assets do I have? And then what liabilities do I have? And I built a template so people could go and do this. Now, you can download this from the Keep the Change blog. If you go to the keepthechange.co.nz website and go to blog and then go to week number two, I think there's a Google link there and you can get access to a heap of templates. Um, there's also school.com forward slash keep the change and you'll then be able to get into the Keep the Change school community and some of those uh, lessons and stuff are in there as well. You can go through and do some month in and some budgeting and whatnot. However you want to do it, just fucking do it, okay? Because I'm always banging on about this and I know that a whole stack of people don't actually do it. I would like more people to do it because it's very important and when you go to buy a home or you start to plan out your financial future, this is what a financial advisor is going to ask you. This is what a mortgage advisor is going to ask you. Say you die, this is going to be worked out for you. What are the assets, what are the liabilities and it will go through this process. So at some stage in your life, you want to get your head around how this shit works because it will be coming for you. Now what I do at the end of the year myself is, because I do this monthly, right? So what I do each month just to give you an update. So basically I'll go through and I'll list out all the types of assets that I have. And so I might have a home, uh, which I don't, I might have some other forms of property. So some couches and all that sort of stuff. You know, some people like to, to calculate that sort of thing as an asset. Um, but I don't have any of that. So I don't, uh, some crypto, uh, maybe a car, some cash, uh, shares, sharesies, hatch, shares, 
uh, and Aussie companies or overseas if you got them, and KiwiSaver, uh, an emergency fund, and I've got a bond on a property that I'd know I'd get back if I don't burn the place down or do anything stupid. So I'm trying to list out all the assets that I have. And usually those don't change month to month, but every now and then a new one will come in and I'll want to track it. And we can talk about that very, very soon. Now the last thing is that some people will want to keep an eye on what their life insurance is. So they will look at their life insurance and they will think, okay, if I were to die, that would become an asset. So some people will register that as an asset. I don't, but I do point out that some people may think about doing that because they know that their estate or whoever they're leaving that life insurance to uh, would then be you know, a, a asset to them. Now you might then want to list out your liabilities below that, so you've got your mortgage, uh, if you've got one of those for instance, car loans, finance loans, buy now pay later, personal loans, credit cards, any tax you've got to pay, people that you owe money, all that sort of shit, you want to try and list it all out. So your assets minus your liabilities equals your net worth. Now back in 2018, some data from Statistics New Zealand, uh, and there were 32,000 people who were in the red by more than $100,000, so they owed more than $100,000. This is prior to COVID, this is 2018, a long time ago now. Uh, there were 400,000 people between negative $100,000 and $0, so 400,000 people owe between 0 and $100,000. There were 1.5, uh, 1 million people who had a net worth, assets minus liability, between zero and $100,000. There were 400,000 people between $100,000 and $200,000. Now, of course, there's still a stack of Kiwis that's then left out of that data, but I just included that in there so you could sort of see roughly what people look like. But then some uh, more updated data that I found was that the building of net worth is linked to age group and typically increases with age until around retirement because people then start spending it so it starts to come back down, right? And young people between 15 to 24 years old had a median individual net worth of $3,000 in 2021. It says just. I'm going to take out the just. I hate the word just because it encourages people to self-limit their achievements. So if you tell me, I'm just a teacher. I'd like to tell you, no, you're not just a teacher. You are critical in the education process of the next generation of New Zealanders. I'm just in marketing. No, no, you're not just in marketing. You're in marketing uh, or whatever it is that you just. So get rid of just. It's just a way that us Kiwis like to talk ourselves down and instantly take our power away, which is fucking stupid and we should be going the other way and try to find a way to build a better story about ourselves. I've had to get more comfortable saying I'm an award-winning chartered accountant, which is just factual data. Does it matter? Do I care? Fuck, not really. But I don't say, you know, I'm just an accountant. Uh, That's not, because I'm not just an accountant. So that would be stupid to use that terminology. Have I said that in the past? Of course I had. But be careful of the word just and spot it when your friends, your family, or even your partner, spouse, just be mindful that it's usually not used in a good way. Anyway, so 15 to 24 year olds had a median individual net worth of $3,000 in 2021, while those in retirement age 65 to 74 had a healthy 433000 It's very hard to find net worth data that really makes sense uh, in the updated data that comes out because each year it seems to be worked out a little bit differently and it becomes uh, quite tricky to sort of line it up to how they've calculated it in prior years. But anyway, you want to calculate yours, right? So you want to get your assets and then you want to work out what your liabilities are. And the point of this is not, okay, now I can compare it to old mate that I live next door to, all that sort of shit. 
It's to keep your mind on your money and it's to try and work on increasing your assets and decreasing your liabilities. Now, if obviously you've got a lot of debt, your key focus is obviously trying to decrease your debt first. That's a great investment, decreasing your debt because A, you get to learn how to do that. B, you get to not be in so much debt and decrease the risk that you have to pay interest and late payment fees, all of that stuff. And then thirdly, you become a different person and then also you start to then take the money that you were using to pay down debt and you can start investing it and building up your assets. So at the end of the financial year, once I've done my March year end, what I like to do is go through and sort of compare myself to where I came from 12 months ago. Now that's because that's what accountants do and that's what businesses do and that's sort of the cycle. So that's the way that I kind of look at it, but I'll even do it calendar year to calendar year. But it's interesting to go back and look into the past and see how things change. So I've recently done my March balance date and I added in uh, my crypto and then my shares and all the other different things that I have and work out what my asset values are. And I go, wow, you know, that's pretty cool. And for me, I don't have much debt, if any. So realistically, my balances should be tracking up if I'm doing well in business and not spending money and blowing it all and doing dumb shit, which I've been known to do in the past, right? And then I I list out my debt as well, and usually this time of year I can work out, okay, do I have any additional tax to pay? And the answer is yes, so I try and get that on my radar nice and quickly. Fuck, I've got another 15 grand of tax that I'm going to have to pay. It's not due yet, but I just want to make sure it's there so my brain's switched to it, so it's no surprise. I don't want a surprise because we hate surprises, right? especially when it comes to money. So then I know, cool, okay, that's the thing that I'm going to need to be mindful of to be to be paying off uh, over this next little while, but it's not incurring me any interest at this stage, so it isn't dangerous to me as such. So I do all of that, and I notice that my net worth is sort of tracking up uh, from the month before, which is cool, but I, um, you know, there's been some rocky moments with KiwiSaver and the share market and all that sort of stuff, and then I go, okay, well, let's just go back 12 months and let's have a look at what was happening at 31 March 2022 because we're now at 31 March 2023 and I go holy shit okay I had a lot of money in crypto I had uh, basically a third of my total assets or uh, that I could access was tied up in crypto now interestingly crypto has continued to go down so that amount has more than halved And in there as well is a platform that I had some of my crypto sitting on that has actually gone under and I've ended up in the shit. So my crypto balance for that at 31 March has gone from that balance to basically zero. It is now worthless because there is a high chance I will never see that money again. So Warren Buffett's two rules, what are they? One, don't lose money. Rule number two, refer to rule number one. So I failed there, haven't I? So I'm not perfect and I'm going to make mistakes. And this is the interesting thing about once you actually have some money, She's bloody hard too. Your journey's not over. Then you've got to learn how to manage it, how not to lose it, and all those types of things. So I've gone on a journey of learning to make money and completely blow through the barriers that I thought, you know, I could set myself. And well, I'm still on the on the path. But so for some context there, you know, you study to be an accountant. The, the the sort of goal or the, the pinnacle in our career is usually if you if you're a big work in the big four, those partners are pulling in five hundred grand a year and you're like, holy fuck, half a million dollars a year, that's unbelievable. And so then that's probably my what I say is is probably like my anchor, my future anchor of well, 
you know, if I could make 500 grand one day, I'd be just as important or just as, you know, I'd be doing just as well as those big four people. But really, is that actually a good metric? No, because, you know, I've just read that and learnt that somewhere and I might A, find out that I didn't even want that level of money for the amount of work they have to do or I might realise that there's a, a lot easier ways to make 500 grand uh, or that there's actually a lot more money you could make if you wanted to but that's just the anchor that I've set in my head because it's where I learned that somewhere when I was probably getting into my accounting around 18. Now that 500 grand when I was 18 compared to now 35 uh, in age, so basically a double that lifetime span, that 500 grand could now be 700,000 or something. So you've got to be careful the numbers that you pick up throughout your life and then what you sort of limit yourself to do. But I set uh, a target for income and I sort of go after that and then I realize okay, it's not about income, it's actually about what you keep and what you can save and what you can put away and all those types of things, right? So, you know, I start making a bit of coin and I'm learning how to do that and I'm like, this is cool and then we've got the sugar rush of cash through COVID and the economy's just hissing and so I should have been doing well, right? Uh, but now things are contracting and it's getting harder so then I've got to, I've got to learn, okay, how can I uh, come to terms with what my income could be or how can I ensure that we can keep that going by doing things that I haven't necessarily had to do before that my competitors aren't going to do, et cetera, et cetera. But also, I've got to spend some time learning, how can I look after this money? How can I actually ensure that I don't lose it? Well, you can see I haven't done a fucking good job here, have I? Because I've put some onto this platform. Mikey gave me a heads up. He said, mate, you want to take your cash out of there? Don't you know? Don't be doing that. It's uh, There's a high chance it's going to blow up. And I was like, oh, I might just see what happens. And so I saw what happens, and what happens is I could end up with $0. So that's uh, an expensive lesson. However... It's not like, oh, it's the end of the world, woe is me. This is, with all the things that I do, I always look at my ultimate downside. And my ultimate downside when I make these decisions is I could never get that cash back. And that's probably what's happened with this. So, lesson learned there, maybe. Don't know. I like to take risks. That's who I am. But I don't put everything into something that risky. And I don't like to make decisions where my stomach tells me, oh, should you have really done that? Because those are good warning signs for me of, you probably didn't make the right decision. So then I look at, okay, so I had some cash and turn deposits and stuff back at uh, March 31, 2022. And I had some shares and my sharesies account was going all right. Shares in Aussie as well. I got some money in Hatch, which is like gold and silver tracking funds because I thought the world was going to blow up. So I put some money over there just to see what would happen if it did happen. Um, and that was probably two years ago and I've never touched that many since. And it's actually gone down, but the world probably should have exploded but it hasn't but it sounds like people are thinking about gold and silver again now so you know I buy and hold and sit on that and then I've got my KiwiSaver balance uh, I've got an emergency fund sitting there as well and then I've got uh, the bond on my property that I should get back as well so my debt very minimal but I list the things that I would have debt for but anyway so if I go back and I review sort of what's happened throughout this year for me I notice, you know, I've I've cleaned up. Uh, I mean, I've been cleaned up because of the the crypto stuff. So that's that's gone down massively. But what happened? I guess the the one of the main things that happened for me this year is that I noticed or I knew that I was what we call underweight in cash. So I wanted to have more cash on hand or access to it because usually I would get cash, I pump it straight into the shares or some Celsius or I'd do something, I'd deploy it. Now, for some people, that might be paying down a mortgage or or whatnot. But as inflation started to increase and shares and stuff started coming back, I'm like, fuck, I need to actually be sitting on a bit more cash because 
I'm investing money and it's just going backwards, which is okay for the long term, right? But I wasn't feeling comfortable with tipping money into stuff and it just being eroded away given that I didn't have high levels of cash and my thinking was, you know what, I still think we've got a long way to go of shares coming down. And this is literally what has happened over the last sort of 12 months for most of the things that I am invested in. But of course, at the same time, I'm then like, okay, well, if I'm going to keep increasing the level of cash that I'm saving rather than investing, I need to balance that out in some regard. So I even turned off my investments into sharesies and stuff like that, especially later on in the year when around December they said we're going to increase our prices. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, But I did then go, well, you know who would thank me for saving or investing money through this period? Future Luke. So what's a good way that I can do that and not going to care about as much? Put it into KiwiSaver. So my KiwiSaver balance has actually increased by Uh, about $8,000 through a pretty volatile year. But I've contributed more, so I increased my contribution to KiwiSaver because I knew that I can't touch that money for a long time, but that's going to guarantee uh, hopefully a very fruitful retirement or give me an option to potentially retire earlier at, say, 50-something and know that I could live off the assets that I build up through to then and then know at 65 or whenever they play around with the numbers that I'm then going to be able to access that. So also remember for me, I didn't contribute to my to KiwiSaver for a number of years because I was paying down debt that I had racked up, I had credit cards, and so I thought that you know I would simply get straight back into that, but I didn't because I fucked around. So now I'm playing a little bit of that catch up. So my 30-year-old version of me is replaying um, what the 20-year-old version of me should have been doing but didn't because was having a good time. So I'm kind of paying off my hangover from those decisions in my 20s. Now, I'm very lucky. Um, I shouldn't say lucky because it's not really luck. I think you know how hard I work, but of course, you know, not everyone agrees. Everyone has different thinking around, you know, why people get paid a lot and all that sort of shit. But uh, I crank fucking hard. And when you do that and you understand how to add a lot of value, you get rewarded for that. And that has seen me go into the top tax bracket. So I get an income of over $180,000. Now that means that for every dollar I make over $180,000, I pay 39 cents in tax. So when I get interest on a loan, for uh, on, a, on a term deposit for instance, I've got to pay 39 cents tax on that. So let's say that I find a 5% interest rate. Well, 40% of that, so 39, 40% is going to be tax. So 3% net is all I'm going to get. Now we know if inflation is 7%, so that cooks me, right? I get pretty dusted by tax rates on investments. Now, you might win lotto and then discover this because you would go and earn interest and all of a sudden you'll be into that 39% tax bracket on your interest on a mega Powerball. You'll be going, holy shit. And we've had a lot of clients have this realisation that do very well. I had one ring me yesterday, a non-client. Someone uh, just got in touch and they said, I've faced with this situation. They made a lot of money back in 2022 and they're only just having their accounts filed, so that's basically from two years, well, for a year ago now, and they're like, wow, like I've got this massive tax bill, and I ran them through some quick figures, and said, yeah, because for every dollar that you're making, over $180,000, you're paying 39% tax on that, and you're only putting aside 20%, so you've got a massive 20% shortfall there, and they're like, holy far out, okay, okay, I didn't, and you know, there's only a few percent of people in this country that actually make that level of money, 
And you can look at them and you can go, well, it must be easy and, well, you know, fucking tough problem to have, mate. Like, who cares? But this person's now got to come up with $80,000 tax shortfall simply because they weren't given the right information or education along the way. So this might be comparable for you getting an $800 bill or an $8,000 bill. They've got an 80K one. And guess what? They had seven days to pay it. I'm like, here's a couple of options. But, you know, no matter what you earn or what someone else is earning, I can guarantee you they have problems, okay? So don't look at other people that earn a lot more than you and think, well, it must just be easy or, well, fuck, you know, who really cares? And I always think this for, you know, people will say, oh, this CEO doesn't deserve to get $2 million. You know, no one does. Remember that 1.8 million of that effectively is taxed at 40%. And that person to get paid $2 million must be pretty unique. And they're probably having conversations with their family of, you know, should we take this role or should we look at this role in this country? You know, it's just a different game. So you can't use your ways of thinking and learning and the past and your environment to then apply that to other people earning completely different amounts, doing completely different things to think, well, it just must be the same thing. So like, why do they need that? Or, you know, why could they, why are they doing that? Because, as incomes change, your reaction is going to change to it, right? So how I got here is that then I started looking at pie funds because pie funds are capped out at 28%. And there's a whole lesson on that and it takes quite a while to explain it. So please go back and listen to that. It's why I invested into a pie fund. But basically it caps the tax out at 28%. So instead of me paying 39% on interest income through a term deposit, it's going to cap out at 28% and I'm saving myself 11%. Now that 11% can then help me stay a bit more current with inflation. So I started putting some more money into turn deposits and part of why I wanted to do that too is that a number of my expenses in my life have stayed very stagnant or similar, especially my main cost which is living rent. So I thought well if I can invest more cash and definitely get a return then that can subsidise the cost of my rent and I explain all of that on that Pi Fund um, that uh, podcast that I do but my big sort of change this year is that I've stacked more cash and I've then invested that into just simple term deposits and pie funds and whatnot now I will you know a part of what I did too is I I brought into a pie fund that is risky and is out there doing shit in the market so it's not just a park it with the bank term deposit one of the big er investments that I made this year is with a fund that is then using that money to do stuff out in the economy and there's a risk that I can't get that money back for some time. So uh, the reason I tell you that is because if you just purely invest into turn deposits and savings accounts, there's a high chance that your dollars are losing value even after earning interest because inflation is so high that it is ruining them. Ruining them. So I'm getting my cash to have babies for me and contribute back towards me, which then helps subsidise my uh, rent and living costs. Now, I stopped contributing to uh, to sharesies, and that was because I wasn't enjoying seeing that money come back, and I just lost confidence in a lot of the businesses in the environment that they're in at the moment, and I could tell that with interest rates going up, shares are becoming more unfashionable, and I just have this feeling that we're going to wake up to a more of a crunch, and I may one day, and I may just then deploy some of the cash that I'm sitting on into some of these stocks that I do like more than others as well. Now, the problem with sharesies is that I, and no disrespect to them if anyone's listening from there, when they change their pricing 
schedule. I'd, I like to sort of move around some shares every now and then or I might buy this one or that one or do some regular investing and stuff. W- once you continue to increase your shares' balance, when you go to then sell out of those shares, you're going to get smacked with quite high fees now the way they change their fees. And I sold, my, my partner and I, we invest into sharesies for some of our joint money that we have together, for instance, and I invest in there and then I go, okay, well, we need to pull some of that out to pay for some stuff that we've got coming up. And so it's basically just like a bank account for us almost. And it's like, okay, yeah, well, it's $25 to get that money out for the amount that we're having to withdraw out. And I'm like, oh, yuck. Okay, so the fees start to become quite ugly. So I sort of thought, you know, I'm just going to pause over there and I'm not entirely sure about that, but I'll start kicking money into my KiwiSaver instead. Um, my Aussie shares, they haven't really moved, but again, it was a longer term. I don't need to be touching them. But the overall thing for shares is that as interest rates are increasing, people don't necessarily invest as much into markets because they're not seeking that return from shares or other risky things because they know that they can get it from the the bank. And there's data to back this up because right now there's never been more money in New Zealand history in term deposits. So people with money are looking for safety and they're choosing term deposits rather than stock markets and things like that. So the money goes to where it's treated best. And at the moment, people believe that money will be treated best in term deposits. So that's the sophistication of New Zealanders. And are they right? Are they wrong? We only know that in hindsight, right? Now, for a lot of those people, they might invest into term deposits for too long and then regret that, oh, I probably should have got back into the market during that time. But we're all on individual journeys going different places. So when I talk about the things that I'm doing, it's because I know where I'm going or what I'm trying to do. And I'm basically trying to build up a war chest and continue to do that and protect it. And then over time, I'll be then deploying that into things that I think can generate me a a return and that's usually business because that's the thing that I study every single day and work with. And so that's sort of my area of interest. Um, you know, I don't have much excitement for property, but I know people do. And I still interview those people to talk to them and I get it. But it's not really my thing. It's not what I do day in, day out. So I don't understand it like they do. And I could not really think of anything worse than fucking bargaining with a vendor to then get their property and then figure out how I could put some blinds up and then add some value by getting rid of the garden and landscaping out the back like that. Saying that makes me feel ill, but that's just what other people are excited by. So that's cool, but that's not my thing, right? So you've got to figure out what your thing is and what you're aiming towards and and where you're going. Now, as I said again, KiwiSaver, I've got uh, that increased in terms of the amount that I'm putting in there. And again, lucky to be able to do that. Should I be saying lucky again, go back to that yarn before, uh, but you know, I know that I can't then touch that. Emergency fund has stayed around the same amount. It's it's accessible. It's not. It, it was um, tied up in shares at one stage when the market was going up. When things started to to go the other way, I make sure I have some access to cash so that if anything happens, I can access that straight away. Excuse me. Um, and and that and that's about me really. So the big change for me is probably going to investing into throughout the year more into my Kiwi service that I can't touch, that my future version of me can can thank me, uh, but then also investing into some pie funds that I'm not speculating, I've, I've got some security that I'm going to get that money back, all going well, and those banks don't fail. Now, I also had quite a grunty meeting with 
uh, a multi-millionaire this year as well and we caught up and basically they sort of said you know what are you investing in and we had a good conversation around that so like why aren't you doing this this and this and I'm like well I'm probably just not there yet and they're like okay well you're probably you know you're in the capital building stage so that you can get yourself there to be able to do that in your 40s and that's probably the journey that that I'm on so that I can do more of that stuff um, when I get there and I've still got a while to go till I get there so I'm in a phase of trying to build capital so that I can go and invest into different things uh, in my later years in life but the more that I practice good discipline with my cash it then gives me options to be able to do that now I also um, you know I still enjoy my money as I go too so I've had an amazing year and really enjoyable and it's been tough at times and um, you know others have had it tougher Others may have had it easier. I don't know. Who cares? Just get on with it, basically, Luke. No one's going to fucking celebrate the fact that your life's been harder or easier than anyone else. It's just the life that we live in, right? Uh, but you know, I think some people will stop doing the things they need to do because of something that may happen in their life. I'll look at them and just go, well, maybe that's just a season. Um, but you know, the cool thing is that I've now that I've made a bit more coin and whatnot, I'm now being able to do some of the things that I want to be able to do. So, you know, the other day, for instance, I saw uh, the bloke that got killed in the Ukraine and his family wanted to, to bring him home, of course, as they would, and there's there's no government support to do that, and I don't necessarily think there should be because I think they're advised and everyone's advised, please do not go there, right? And the family did raise $65,000 and Kiwis did it for them in, in 24 hours, and I just thought that's amazing. In, in my partner and I would watch stories about this person and uh, we're both very upset for this person and their family um, you know when they when they passed away shortly before wanting to actually come home and you know I'm in the position where I could actually donate something to that so that's really cool for me but I also have to be careful because I was speaking to Mikey about this you know someone else called me and they said uh, very successful New Zealand and they said mate you know, one of the hardest things about going through a recession is that your generosity gets taken away from you and you can't do as many things as you'd like to do. So, you know, people come to start expecting it from you and you can't do it and you watch the tide turn, so you'd be very careful. And so I've kind of got that ringing in the back of my ear as well. It's like, you didn't go through the GFC like I did, you know, I'll show you some lessons and stuff. And so I'm having to be a little bit mindful about those things uh, as well. But at the same time, I, you know, I want to be able to give and do things that that really felt valuable um, to me and can be helpful for people. But naturally... I want to try and help people, but you can't help everyone, so you've got to be careful uh, what you pick and choose, but you still have to enjoy your cash, and for me later this year, I've committed to paying for some of our family Christmas and stuff, because I can do that, and that's very valuable to me to do that, and my family will kick in as well, but I've said, look, I'm, I'm happy to get uh, a lot of that cost, because for me, that could be, or will be, you know, a very valuable spend for me, and those are the sorts of things that I would uh, envision when I didn't have any money is that, you know, we could all have Christmas together in this amazing place, for instance, or that's probably the house that I may own one day down the track, etc. And, you know, it'd be like Christmas at Luke's place and, and it's this amazing place. And it's like, well, you can actually just pay to do that temporarily for a few days if you want to as well. That's what money's for. It's a tool, nothing more, nothing less. It's like, oh, okay, cool. Well, I'll just get the bill for, um, you know, the majority of that. And, oh, geez, the flights are really expensive because we're going to do that in Australia. Well, you know, it's going to be very valuable. It's going to be a great time. So I've had to get better at letting go of some of this money too. But at the same time, you have to be careful because things are getting so expensive. 
and even when you earn a, a high income, so say $180,000 PAYE salary, for instance, you think, fuck, you know, someone's killing it on that. Well, they are, uh, but by the time you pay tax and KiwiSaver, you're left with $120,000, so $60,000 is gone. Now, that $60,000 in tax is about the median income of New Zealanders. So people that are earning one hundred eighty k and then contributing to KiwiSaver, they are, you know, they're paying out in terms of tax, ACC, KiwiSaver, what someone's median income is. Now, that's still great to be left with $10,000 per month, but by the time you start going, you know, uh, accommodation, food, they'll, they'll live in a different way that you do, or they'll have different expectations or levels of what they can spend on rent or uh, interesting. You know, you know that people, the more they earn, they'll borrow more to live in that property and whatnot. So we adjust everything. Everything changes as our income changes, right? So, you know, after you pay for all those things and, and have the lifestyle that you have, then you start to pay for more things or donate a bit of money or, hey, yeah, I'll get the bigger bill here or I'll pay for this one or I'll get a bit of the family Christmas and stuff or, right, we'll ramp up the dollar value of the present and stuff. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, shit, you know, we're uh, not saving as much money as we could be here. So that's the whole purpose of this exercise is that each year I'm stopping and I'm going, mate, how much progress did you actually make? And this is a real wake-up call and an eye-opener to go, Okie dokie, uh, what is this as a percentage, for instance, or am I unhappy about what's happened here? You know, do I want to reconsider that Celsius question around crypto, for instance, and go, would I do that again? So it's a bit of reflection time um, so that you can actually make sure that you're making progress. And it doesn't matter what income level you are on, you want to be thinking about this stuff so you can see that you're progressing. Now, as the market is volatile too, and I invest into KiwiSaver and different shares and things, if I still hold on to those things, and I fast forward three years, for instance, I know that we could have a massive bull run, or we could just keep having things going the other way, but, you know, I could have a year where it's like, whoa, you know, my my net worth or my asset values have increased massively, purely because, realistically, the markets and them working in my favor. So it's just a good way to get a pretty good review and reflection time of the decisions that you've made throughout the year and how it has impacted your finances. So that's why it's important to do this every single month and then stop to actually see you know, what you were doing from 12 months ago and even 12 months before that and even 12 months before that. So if you want the spreadsheet, you can find it and I've got dummy data all through it to sort of show uh, that you know, it goes from year to year to year and you want to try and learn to do this. You want to delete out the years that you don't care about if you're just getting started or you might even want to try and go back retrospectively and try and figure some of these things out. But, you know, that might just be too arduous. Arduous, what a word. Um, or boring, I think is a better word, or tedious. So you won't do that, you'll just do it going forward. But please do this and you'll be amazed. In only, only 12 months, how much more this brings your mind to your money. And you can even set some goals around 30 days, 90 days, one year, five years, all that sort of thing, right? And you want to write down your goals and then you want to write down that it's a victory, uh, that you've done those so you've achieved them and you've ticked it off instead of just being like, yes, you know, did I pay my tax? Yes, it's a victory. Fuck yeah, it's a win because psychologically it just feels a lot better. Rightio, there you go. That's my rambling on about the 2023 insights from the financial year we're into a new financial year the 2024 financial year if you're just getting started on your journey that's all good we all start somewhere don't compare yourself to others it's not worth it just compare yourself to who you were yesterday and who you were the year before and make sure you're tracking in the right direction